and let me know when I can start. Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in our study of the New Testament, and we're in Acts chapter 20 today, and uh, we've, we've made good progress. We're moving right along in the book of Acts. Um, uh, oh, and we got, do you like our new bulletins? You better say yes, because I like them. Yeah. <laughs> that was really an unfair question. Because there's only one response that's acceptable at this point. Um, <laughs> we uh, we are into Acts chapter 20, um, and we're we're in the third missionary journey of the Apostle Paul, um, and and we've been watching his travelings along the way, and the time that he spent. And uh, in last in the last chapter, if you remember, we were in Ephesus. We weren't actually in Ephesus, but we were with Paul in Ephesus, kind of. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, uh, he, he, he did three years worth of ministry in Ephesus. Big, big thing happened. Everybody in the entire province of Asia heard the word of God as a result of Paul's three-year ministry there. Um, that was almost daily, his preaching and teaching. Um, uh, and so everybody heard about Jesus and, and they had a big impact. And remember, they had demonic encounters where, where you know, God prevailed, and they saw that, and, and so these, these people turned in huge numbers to God in the process. So, uh, and you also remember at the end of the chapter, maybe you remember there was a riot just before Paul left, um, because the, the guys who made the little false idols, um, their economy was being threatened and, and in fact they thought the entire economy of the town was being threatened and so they caused a riot but the, 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 the sort of chief clerk of the city told them to knock it off because the Romans would get mad and it sort of died down and that was the end of that chapter and so it picks up right there uh, in verse 1 of Acts 20 let me read that to you 38 verses and then we'll talk about it briefly and we'll pray and we'll call it an evening Acts chapter 20, verse 1. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and finally arrived in Greece, where he stayed three months. Because the Jews made a plot against him just as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by... Uh, you know, I had all these names down earlier, and now I've forgotten their exact pronunciations. So you're just going to get whatever I think is close, and I don't really care. Sopater, son of Pyrrhus, from Berea. Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica. Gaius and Derby, Timothy also, and Atticius and Trophimus from the province of Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us at, at Troas. But we sailed from Philippi after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and five days later joined the others at Troas, where we stayed seven days. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs rooms where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus. That is, that's correct, okay? who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. And after talking until daylight, he left. Uh, 
The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted, obviously. We went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Assos, where we were going to take Paul aboard. He had made this arrangement because he was going there on foot. When he met us at Assos, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene. The next day we sailed from there and arrived at Chios. Uh, the day after that we crossed over to Samos and on the following day arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. That's a pretty tough deal, don't you think? However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know <clears throat> that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you by this kind of hard work we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was a statement that they would never see his face again. And then they accompanied him to the ship. And blessed be the word of the Lord. All right, let's talk. Uh, Acts chapter 20 kicks off the first two verses. Luke really doesn't give us a lot of detail about that segment of the missionary journey, only that Paul was traveling through the area uh, from Ephesus on the way to Macedonia and that he was speaking many words of encouragement. We ever heard about words of encouragement here? Is that new to anyone? Just like the Apostle Paul. You should speak many words of encouragement, but we'll settle for two a day. All right? 
Okay. So um, he, was, he was obviously on part of this trip. Luke would sometimes, you know, edit things for different reasons. And, and um, he was, he, this took some time. He would have been, uh, I'm convinced he was doing the things he always did. He would go into a town. If there was a synagogue there, he'd preach. He'd do the thing. He'd see what's happening, listen to the Lord. And then he would move along. And he was moving along on his journey. Uh, in verse 3, he arrives in Greece there. And um, it, spends, it says he spends three months there. And just as a future note, in case you're interested, while he's there in Greece, on this third missionary journey, he writes the letter to the Romans. That's up next. You remember, all those epistles or letters he wrote back to churches that were dealing with issues that he'd already started. And you, and you have to know that when you read them, because it changes the way that... It changes what they mean. You have to hold that in context. That, that those writings of, of Paul, the epistles were letters written to specific churches about specific things, questions that had come to him, or things that he'd heard that needed to be addressed. And that uh, it, it sure, certainly impacts the church today, but you can't take them outside of that context because you can make them say things that they don't mean. And so the reason that Acts is so important is it gives us all this definition for how all those other books fit. And it makes sense because this is, this is how the word was spreading around the world. And these churches were started by Paul and, 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 you know, and Barnabas and, and Silas and these guys. These churches were started and then they, they helped them to grow here in the, in the early beginning of things. And, and you know what? These early churches, not like churches today, these early churches had problems. We never have problems anymore. And so they needed direction. So that's why we got the book. All right, and and that's how the book was coming together in the New Testament because of these things. You know, that we we we've done the Gospels, we've seen the ministry and the life of Jesus, and and what that means recorded by by people that were with him, and and uh, lots of witnesses. Luke did that, and then he's writing this amazing story of the early church, and he's laying it all out for us. And like I said, at some level, we're still part of the Book of Acts. We don't write Scripture anymore. We're not adding to the canon, but we're still. The acts of the disciples, that's us. That's what's happening. We're logging it in. And we're tied to this movement, these missionary journeys, these things that were happening are part of us. And, and we see them happening and the reason that the things were written and, and how they apply to us. So uh, he's there three months. He writes a letter to the Romans. Um, he's about to set sail for Syria when he finds out, it says, about a plot by the Jews who once again were trying to kill him. That's what they did most of the time. They were trying to figure out how to kill Paul. They're always trying to figure out how to kill somebody. They're not a gr nice group of people <laughs> uh, at this point in time. Yeah, you know, I, the, the Jewish leaders, I need to be careful with the, the wordage because we use it differently today. The, the, the leaders of the established Jewish religion of the time, were some of them were not very nice. All right? So, then just like they tried to kill Jesus... And some, you know, the other guys and kept putting him in prison, wanted to kill him, and on and on and on. Now they were after Paul. And apparently what's believed is the plot was they were, he was going to get on this ship. They were going to kill him on the ship and then toss him overboard. And he heard of it, and so he doesn't get on the ship, which is really smart. And so he decides to walk instead. Again, good choice. Um, and so he, he walks back uh, to, to where he's going to go. He's got to track his way back through Macedonia. And um, the thought is he, he was going to get on this sh uh, ship because he was hoping to be in Jerusalem uh, in, in time for the Passover. 
But there was no way that was going to happen now. And so now we read later on that he was now he's shooting for the Pentecost, for the day of Pentecost, 50 days later after the Passover. You know, he's, he's, he's added to the trip because the, the ship would have been nice and quick. Now he's got to go a longer way. But, but that's what he's heading for in there. Then in verses 4 through 6, it lists seven guys whose names, most of which I didn't say correctly. And uh, I don't plan on saying them again. Um, the reason they're important is that all these guys were um, um, representing some churches. There were seven of them, not seven churches, but several churches in this region. And they were all bringing offerings that Paul had arranged for to go to the church in Jerusalem. And you'll read about that later on. You'll see Paul in these letters saying, Guys, what, you know, we're going to make up the offering. You've know, you got to get that money together for the church in Jerusalem. They need it. They're being persecuted. And this was the, the mission of Paul. He wanted to get this offering to Jerusalem. He felt compelled by the Spirit to go. Um, there, there have been some... Uh, because a couple of times it gets prophesied to Paul that he's not supposed to, that he shouldn't go because danger awaits. Not that he's not supposed to, that he shouldn't. But he feels that the Lord is telling him that he's got to go. And he says, I know that bad things await. But God's telling me to go by His Spirit. I gotta go. I gotta take this offering to Jerusalem. So uh, that's what He's setting out to do. And these seven guys are important because uh, you know we'll see them on in the future. They were part of His guys, but they had collected this offering in the various churches that were started, and they were taking it to Jerusalem with Paul. Um, also, you need to note right in those verses that the tense changes about Luke. Guess who's back on the team? Luke's back. If you don't catch the changes, you miss it. But it goes from what they were doing to we and us. And so Luke is, is um, hooked back up. And you probably don't remember, but back in Acts chapter 16, Luke stayed on in Philippi while Paul went on ahead. Paul now goes back to Philippi and Luke joins back up with him as part of the team that's going to Jerusalem. And in fact, those, those guys go on ahead a little bit. And Luke and, and Paul stay together in Philippi and they celebrate the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And that feast is right along the time of uh, the, uh, the one he was shooting for at first, which has left my mind now. Not Pentecost. Passover, thank you. I wonder, I wonder how bad that will get before somebody just comes along and pushes me over a little. Let me take it from here, Pastor Steve. <laughs> just step over. <laughs> how long will they let me stay thinking of a word? <laughs> you know what I mean? What's the appropriate time when someone just stops you? <laughs> okay. Because uh, now I can put my glasses on like if that's the issue. It wasn't. I just completely forgot the word. Okay, so the other guys took off and, and uh, Paul and Luke are there and they celebrate on leavened bread together and then they, they set sail once again and they catch up with the team in, in Troas there um, and they spend seven days together. Now, Acts 27 is, is a, a fairly important verse if you're interested in these things and it's sort of the pivotal New Testament verse for why the great majority of the church believes that you, you're supposed to get together on Sunday. This is Acts chapter 20, verse 7 is what they get to. Um, because it says on the first day of the week, and that was Sunday. It just was. And, and it was a different meeting, and that's what they go to um, when they got together. I, I don't, I, we have church here on Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday. I don't really care. 
We get together when we get together. That's what we do, right? And when they get together and they call it, they, get, they break the bread, right? Um, in Acts 27, they got together and broke bread. Guess what we do when we get together? We always break bread. So we're having church. We are the church. We're doing the church. So I, I don't get caught up in the day thing, all right? We celebrate on Sundays because it's the day most people are used to and we're trying to win people to Jesus and that's when they're looking for a church. All right? Saturday, I don't care. We'll just show up. So... But that's the pivotal verse. Uh, if anybody ever asks you, why does a church meet on Sunday? Why, do we, why does a church in, in large believe that's the day? That's because of that verse. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. So they get together for church. Most likely you met in the evening. Sunday evenings. Um, why do I say most likely? In this case, we, we know because of the events that happened, but because people were still probably taking their day off on a day not Sunday, they would have been working Sunday, and so they got together for church at night. All right, the the early you know the Sabbath day was a, anyway. That's what we think, and and it makes sense. They got together around the evening meal, and they they broke bread together, and then Paul starts to preach, and in verses eight to twelve, um, Paul's leaving the next day, and apparently his preaching goes on a little long, because around midnight. <laughs> Eutychus is a young man. He's sitting up. He's worked all day, most likely. He's at church now. And it's midnight. And he's sitting in the window on the third floor, probably trying to catch a little breeze. And it says he falls into a deep sleep. And you know what he does? He falls out the window. Really messes up the church service. <laughs> it's a downer. And Luke is a physician records for us that he falls and he's picked up dead. Dead. Remember the doctor's writing this book. So Paul goes rushing down there, throws himself on him and prays for him and says, hey, don't worry, he's, he's alive. And up gets Eutychus. Pretty cool stuff. Pretty, pretty big miracle. What happens? Now, what I think is funny is, that's a pretty significant event, right? It says that Paul and them, they go back upstairs, they break bread again, and then he preaches till daylight. <laughs> <laughs> they, they might have closed that window or not let anybody sit there after that. It's my guess. <laughs> so, you know, if you ever feel like I go long here, I got, there's nothing happening. Nothing gets close to that. So, so he went till midnight. The thing happened. He prays for him. He gets up. They eat again. And off he goes. And he preaches all day until the morning for them. And it's time to leave. Okay? Then... Verse 13, most of the team said sail again. Paul decides to go on by foot because um, it's a little quicker because he wants to spend some more time there in uh, Troas. And then he takes off and they, they connect together once again when the ship reaches another port. And in verses 16 and 17, uh, they're back on board ship. They go past Ephesus because Paul's uh, trying to get to Jerusalem now by the day of Pentecost. And he knows that if he goes to Ephesus, he's going to be... It's going to take him too long to say goodbye. I mean, that's the, the, the very interpersonal thing that happens, a very personal reflection on Paul's life is, is about to happen in these last verses. He says, I can't go to the church. I'll, I'll never leave because they'll, they've been there three years, remember? They'll want me to stay. Already they're going to want me to stay. I've only been gone a few months. They're going to want me back. So he says, let's go on. They go to a town 30 miles past where the boat's going to port. The ship is going to be in port for a few days, Miletus. And he says, tell the elders to come and see me. It's 30 miles away. So the elders of the church come. 
and he spends time with them. And in verses 18 through 34, it's kind of this three-pronged talk um, discussion that he has with the elders of the church. Uh, he reminds them in the first chunk of what his three-year ministry there was all about. Um, he, he goes on then in the next chunk and he tells them what's happening now in his ministry and what's, what's, what's going on and what he's doing. And then in that last part, he tells them about their future responsibilities for the church in Ephesus and the things they're going to have to do and, and that they're going to need to go and take care of the church. And he tells them in the middle of that that they won't see him again, that it's the last time they're going to see his face. He's convinced of that. And in those last couple of verses... Um, this, uh, Luke includes this amazing display of love by the elders of the church in Ephesus for Paul. They just start to cry and they, they're, they're kissing on him and hugging him. And, and it's not that he's leaving. It's they said they'll never see him again, at least in this life. And it, it breaks their hearts. I think Luke includes it because you're going to see people that hate Paul shortly. You've seen it already, but even worse. And, and here's this man who's serving God. And, and just trying to do the next right thing and yet gets a whole world of people to hate him for no other reason than he's standing for God. And, and yet you get to see a glimpse into his life of the amount of people that he impacted and how much they loved him. And, and the, you know, that kept him going. He knew that these people loved him because he told them the truth about God and they'd found life. And so it sort of wraps up there and uh, it's pretty eventful now in the next couple of chapters so, so keep up your reading and, and keep coming and... and uh, We'll dig into more of it next week. Uh, if you're watching by video, thank you for watching. And uh, we're, we're glad that you were with us. If you need anything, you can call us or write us. We'll do whatever we can for you. We're going to close here with prayer. And then we'll call it an evening so you can turn the video off now.